I, I think the poet or the filmmaker or the musician, the poet must not avert his eyes. You must not avert your eyes. This is what is coming at us. several tons of hurricane. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And today we shall be discussing Jupiter Ascending, um, the Wachowski siblings, 2014 sci-fi fantasy bureaucracy parody nonsense film. Uh, the film was received pretty poorly by critics. Jason Bailey of Flavor Wire said, The storytelling is clumsy, the characters are befuddling, and the Wachowskis' action sequences, once so graceful and thrilling, are ugly, noisy, and worst of all, boring. Paul Whittington from The Independent said, The finer plot details of this film cannot be approached without laughter. It's a pretentious, grandiose mess packed with tiresome special effects that at least distract from the dreadful dialogue. Publicly, it didn't fare much better. The film pretty much tanked, I think, um, upon release. Uh, the public reception was pretty poor. Deborg, over at uh, IMDb, said, The movie feels like it was written by a ten-year-old girl, hooked on drugs. Bad acting, I don't care about what is going on attitude from the actors, bring the final nail to this movie coffin. Meanwhile, uh, Raven Black at the same site said, Milo- Hang on, hang on, who's, who's the, the coffin for? It's it's the, the movie coffin. coffin. The movie is a coffin into which we pour our interest and <laughs> bury it deep. Are all the actors in it as well? Yes. Okay. I think so, because, you know, what's Eddie Redmayne done since? Raven Black said, Mila falls into deep space like every five minutes and Chanyu rescues her. Chanyu? <laughs> Chanyu. Spyro Chanyu. <laughs> Mila falls into space every five minutes and Chanyu... What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> It's because you keep thinking of Channing Tatum's face every single time you Channing. say his word. Mila falls into deep space every five minutes, and Channing rescues her with his great shoes. They dangle and dangle, but she doesn't look scared a bit, because there is nothing to be scared of in front of the green screen. Seriously, do these directors really think I'm waiting for a talking reptile? So, Goodman, were you waiting for a talking reptile? I don't know what kind of sick son of a bitch goes to a movie theatre and starts waiting for a reptile. I wasn't uh, waiting for them, but I was very grateful for them when they arrived. Yeah. That's about all I can think to say about the talking reptiles. (laughs) No, they had, um, they, they, they had some fantastic names. Yes. Talking reptiles. Uh, prefixed by Mr. Yes. Well, Eddie Redmayne insisted on calling them Mr. Yeah. That may have just been a sarcastic thing that Eddie yeah. Redmayne himself brought to the performance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they, <laughs> well, they were all ad- ad-libbed. Uh, <laughs> it was things like Mr. Skelligan. And Mr. Skelligan. Mr. G- Greavy or some something really weird. Yeah. And um, to clarify, these were giant reptiles yeah. with tails and wings in trench coats. They were given human titles. Yeah. Like Mr. No, no misses or miss, misses or missuses. Yeah. Or doctors. Which would have been better, maybe. <laughs> Professor. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Scalington. <laughs> As you can see from my findings, I think you'll, I think you'll recognize the uh, clear delineation in this DNA pattern. <laughs> <laughs> that was him biting into a rat afterwards. 
<laughs> just keeps in a drawer. Eddie Redmayne nodding. Yes, of um, course. <clears throat> well, yeah, you think he said that, but you couldn't hear him over the the sound of uh, of quiet violins. <laughs> Menacing violins yeah. which completely drowned out Eddie Redmayne's intense performance. But they were interesting, the the, the, the Mr. Lizards. Um, one of them, uh, whatever his name, Mr. Skelligan, whatever it was. Yep. I'm just going to go with that because yep. that's what I wrote down. Skelligan. Um, he, yeah. He had quite a cool voice uh, like effect, a cool vocal effect, where <laughs> when he spoke, it sounded like a, like a humming, like a vibrating engine or something, as it was co- something like resonating in his throat. Right. And that was a cool, that was a cool little thing. Might sure. even be a one, it might even be a good thing. A good thing. Yeah. Great. Well, Goodman, this sounds like a shit show. What the fuck was it all about anyway with these talking lizards? God, the movie was... Uh, so Mila Kunis, yes. uh, her character, Jupiter, which is easy ah. to remember. Does she ascend? She att- attempts to. I think she spends an awful lot of time descending in this yeah. particular film. Descending quite quickly, I yes. think. But Mila Kunis is the... Oh, she's the reincarnation of the queen. Of the queen. Of... This is it all of space, or is it this particular bit of space with the Earth in it? I think it's the verse, the whole verse, the whole bit of it. Yeah, the right. whole thing. Um, queen of the universe. She is the reincarnated queen of the universe. Yes. Right. Um, How does this manifest? <laughs> she's she's born to people during a, a pretty tiring, uh, tiring prologue. Oh, right, okay, so I thought you were going to describe the times in which they lived as tiring, with all these irritating police raids and executions. Such a bore. Which, I mean, it would have been tiring. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uncle Vladistock got killed again. Oh, for fuck's sake. Again. (laughs) (laughs) These tiring times we live. Tiring times in which even death is not a release from frequent murders. (laughs) Motherfucker can't even reincarnate properly. (laughs) So... She's born. She's born in Russia. I oh, know yeah. she's born. This fucking film. <laughs> she's born to Russian parents. Um, the dad. The dad dies during a police raid. Yes. Um, she's born on a boat. Um, she makes a great deal of saying she's born countryless. That's right. Um, without you know, without a home, without blah blah blah. Yeah, a Mila without a country. Yeah, she's a Mila without a Kunis. <laughs> and um, in a, in a in a in a prologue that could have just been uh, either done away with or done without a voiceover yeah they could have shot it like up for example ah. um and it would have been a lot better just a lot a lot more yeah luckily mila kunis and her naturally graceful and beautiful speaking voice um which you may have heard in family guy voicing meg mm. everyone's favorite character that wonderful sort of authoritative voice um guides us into this world yeah it's poetic it is According to my aunt, this is supposed to mean that I am destined for great things and that I will find the one true love of my life. Problem with astrology? Total bullshit. Cut to 18 years later? Mm. 20 years later? I don't know. uh, The age of Acunus. Yeah, you just have to estimate because otherwise you have to cut her in half and count her rings. (laughs) She's cleaning toilets with her Russian family. Yeah. You know, they're Russian because they mentioned Stalin five or six times in, yeah. in five minutes. Yeah, somewhat informally. They just sort of casually... Apparently his name is like a a curse word now. Stalin's balls! And they also <laughs> um, they also eat large sausages. Yes. Which is a very Russian thing to do. Yeah. Um, we've been talking for about ten minutes and we have um, nothing's happened yet. Okay. That feels reflective of the film. 
Yes. I'm having flashbacks. Make it stop. <laughs> so Go let's ahead. do let's let's do one better then. We'll get we'll get this done and then we can just we can just concentrate on Lizard just, Men. Our job. Right. <laughs> um she's cleaning toilets. Yes. Her life is going nowhere. Yes. Suddenly uh she's being she's being talked into selling her um selling eggs. her eggs for money. Yep. Like a chicken. Her her woman's eggs, that is, not her, just yeah. not <laughs> the eggs in her fridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, her special woman's <laughs> eggs. Yeah. Um, can, why can't we get away from the female menstrual cycle? <laughs> what is wrong with us? Can't there's, help ourselves. There's a scene where Mila Kunis flings one of her eggs at the screen. It, <laughs> yeah. It's very awkward. Sloshes against the screen. Oh, fuck. Um, so she's talked into selling her eggs to a fertility clinic by her cousin. Yeah. Who who is a layabout, basically. Is yeah, a can waster. We, can we just say that sentence again and think about it in the context of a sci-fi fantasy adventure? She has talked into selling... Her ovarian eggs for money. What are you doing, Wachowskis? Um, but she is doing so for her own reasons. Uh, she wants to buy a telescope. Yes. However, she is convinced with very little effort and very little excuse to accept the lower amount of money for this. They're mm. getting 15 grand. The cousin who's just came up with the idea is getting 10 grand. She's going to get five. Yeah. Also, do you get that much for eggs? We need to move to the States. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I have many to offer. <laughs> Uh, I I, want, I worry how many people watched this film and were then consequently inspired to set up women farms. <sighs> Alright, so she is in the uh, clinic, ready to sell an egg, when Channing Tatum flies through the wall, it turns out everybody's aliens, turns out she's the long-lost, reincarnated queen of the galaxy, and that three siblings are fighting over her in order to figure out who gets possession of the Earth, because human beings are actually being farmed on Earth uh, for a precious resource that allows aliens to live forever. 100 humans makes one vial of liquid that allows someone a bath that will make them live forever. She, consequently, needs to become a princess, which requires going to a bureaucratic office in order to apply for a license to be a princess from Terry Gilliam. Once she gets that, she can then be captured by each sibling in turn, to only to be rescued from each one of them by Channing Tatum. Ultimately, she ends up in the possession of Eddie Redmayne, who has a family, and Channing Tatum's on his way to rescue her, and that's where the climax of the film happens. So, that's the plot. <laughs> that was... If only the film would have been that quick. <laughs> um, wow. I didn't like the plot very much. Um, no. Uh, by the way, everybody, I've got to apologise. I've spent the last week with a cold. Um, I'm just coming to the end of it. Voice sounds like absolute garbage, but we'll get there. We'll get there together, guys. This is a two-hour-long podcast this week, guys, <laughs> in honour of Jupiter Ascending, so... um, In honour of Jupiter Ascending, we're not going to edit this whatsoever and just have all the shit left in. <laughs> we're also going to send light shows to each one of your houses <laughs> and just to fucking bombard you, like baffle <laughs> baffle you every po- waking minute. Positive podcast. Um, yes. Let's, let's talk about The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> It can be difficult for Terses or people from underdeveloped worlds to hear that their planet is not the only inhabited planet in the verse. Has to be the anesthesia. I mean, it's got to be a dream. The protocol actually says that most Terses will say that this has to be a dream. Are you saying you're an alien? Genome-engineered human. They cut my DNA with the DNA of something like a wolf. I'm a lichen bred for the military, but... That didn't work out for me. Let's quickly talk about The Matrix just for a minute. As a break from Jupiter Ascending, because I'm sure mm. you've all had enough. Um, the Wachowski siblings previously worked on The Matrix. The mm-hmm. Matrix, as I believe it was called in the streets. Yep. Um, 1999 film that blew me away when I saw it. It mm-hmm. was a huge deal. It was my favourite film for about ten years before I rewatched it and realised, oh, these characters are terrible. 
Um, at which point it slipped down to four and is currently not in my top ten. I love it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a film of great action sequences, gloriously choreographed by Yuan Wu-Ping, with really cool fashion design that actually kind of caught on for a while and kind of flavoured early noughties fashion. I remember long trench coats being a thing and lots of blacks, and not that that impacted on me and my fashion sense whatsoever. More than anything else, just a fantastic premise, a really cool premise related to the greater philosophy of the film, which is what is real, what's not real. And a really excellent, um, you wanted to be in that world. You wanted to be, you know, in a spaceship riding through a wasteland whilst occasionally jacking into a, you know, flawless, smooth, um, recreation of a human city, which you could then have epic gunfights and kung fu battles in. It's so ripe for making up your own stories in. It's a great universe. Um, you know, and that's, sometimes that's what the best thing that final, that fantasy, um, series do is just set up a universe you want to be in. Mm. Um, and the Matrix did that. Um, and the weaker elements of the Matrix are the human characters, which are, um, uh, basically, with some exceptions, robotic dialogue machines. So, how does that apply to this? Yeah. First of all, good premise? Um, well, the Matrix is excellent, yeah. (laughs) I really like the Matrix. Yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah. Jupiter Um, Ascending, you mean? Yeah, how's the premise? How's that premise on you? Nell recommended this film. Uh, Jupiter Ascending. Uh, my girlfriend now, when I first told her that we were doing this podcast, she said, Goodman, <laughs> if you can find one good thing about Jupiter Ascending, uh, we're done. <laughs> I'll I'll make you a woman. I'll just slice you six ways from Sunday. <laughs> you bucket. She's a terrifying woman. Oh, one. she's awful. <laughs> but um, having... having, having because The Matrix was her favourite... Oh, right. One of her favourite films. Yes. And obviously Nell saw this and she just thoroughly hated it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to say that I think our relationship's going to go from strength to strength from now on. <laughs> because yeah, here we are. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Neither yeah. of us went and saw this at the cinema. We felt no need to because mm-hmm. the world, the aesthetic of the world. I mentioned how The Matrix had this really cool, glossy, first of all, the real world. You know, it's all ruinous blacks and bright mm-hmm. blues. And then the virtual world is this slightly green-tinged, but very excellent, sleek, Michael Mann-style cities. Here, I mean, it looks like Naboo, the main city that the action takes place on, and that's mm. not a good thing. It was very Star Wars prequels, the big CGI cities. Yeah. I struggled to think of the last time I saw a fantasy city and thought to myself, oh, I'd like to live there. Probably Rivendell from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'm just thinking of fucking um, this and Jupiter Ascending, Asgard in 4. Mm. Although in the sequel, they did actually have some sets that looked nice in the yeah. dark world here. Were there any sets? No, just lots of big CGI rooms. Yeah. Cavernous CGI rooms. Even Chicago didn't look real. It didn't. And I think it takes quite a bit of work to get an audience to invest in a fantasy world. I remember this was an issue with John Carter, is that in order for... Um, you make up a lot of words... <laughs> You know, oh, the Shagugus of the mm. Malulu plan, yeah, you know, clan. So, um, they're they're going to attack the uh, the Jutus of the Nupiti Boop, and we need to stop them. You, yeah. it, it takes a lot, yeah, to make audiences go right. Yeah, fuck it. The the, the Malulus, mm. they're going to attack. We got to stop those motherfuckers. Yeah. And sometimes you make that investment, and you think Urukai, yeah, those guys f- are fucked up. Let's yeah. let's stop them. And sometimes you don't. Mm. Like, do you remember a single word, a noun? Do you remember a noun from this film? Give me a minute. What was even the family name of Eddie Redmayne's family? Abraxas. 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 I've got that bit. The Abraxians are attacking... I think Channing Tatum's race was Lycantine. 
or something like that. Yeah. He was a splice. He was a splice. He was a splice. He had more in common with dogs than with most people. Yes. Which was a, a, a faintly amusing and charming moment between Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum, if sure. I'm forced to pick one. I have more in common with a dog than I have with you. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. <laughs> um, a moment which really sold their romance. I'll say, their final scene together on top mm. of the skyscraper is kind of sexy. <laughs> kind of liked it. She kind of she was being very flirty, and mm. he was being well. No, he's a, he was a fucking flatline. Mm. Unfortunately, it takes a lot to drain the charisma out of Channing Tatum. Yeah. You have to do that on purpose. Well, nothing could do that like gravity boots, Paul. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, I don't want to just keep comparing this to the Matrix, but sure. do you remember when like, the first time you saw the Matrix? Yeah. We 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 go and we're following this 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 woman <clears throat> dressed up in leather. Yep. She's accosted by guards. She leaps into the air and it freezes. Yeah. And just just before she takes out a room full of people. Yeah. And you and you just and then she runs across runs around the wall and escapes. And, yeah. And you think, wow, what the fuck just happened? The possibilities that yeah. have been insinuated by this scene are endless now. Gravity is not going to work the way I expect it to work. All sorts of things could happen. Yeah. I didn't realise cinema could do this for me, to me, (laughs) at me. And in this film, Channing Tatum's character, Kane Wise, John Glaze, (laughs) Rob Smart, just... (laughs) Barry. Character. (laughs) (laughs) Barry Mann. Man, <laughs> man boots. Man boots. Yeah, it's he good... has man boots. He does. That he uses to rocket himself around the place throughout the film, yeah. but it's done so using a very dumb and silly looking mechanic in which he has to literally tread with his feet. So he has to like stride. They're hover, with the rocket they're boots. hover skates. Yeah. They're like roller skates. Sure, but he doesn't move like a roller skater, you know, like gliding gracefully around his environment. He he plods, and it looked ridiculous throughout. Yeah, it was was just... As soon as... uh, I guess maybe if we're talking about sets, maybe when she's in the fertility clinic and she's being about to be operated on to remove Mm. her eggs... That looked like a real room. Uh, you, be- okay. you believe you believe you're there. It, yeah. it has to be a real room, and it, it sort of takes on a bit of uh, an interrogation with Agent Smith kind of feel because she's suddenly under. She's not in control, and they're put they're they're putting her out, and they're going to kill her. Yeah, and that's what I thought of again because it's Wachowskis. And then Channing Tatum bursts into the room in his hover boots, and he starts wrestling CG aliens uh, in a way that you might like disentangle, disengage yourself from a plastic bag. Yeah, and it just it, it <laughs> it's bad. It is bad. Um, yeah, uh, the action sequences in this sometimes felt grounded in reality and sometimes didn't. And I feel this can be best um, characterized by looking at the uh, the rather excellent parents' guide written for this film. Um, on IMDb, and I don't know who writes these, but I get the impression that they're, they know the quality of the films that they're doing when they do them. So, under violence and gore, God if only, 
Three extended fight scenes in space feature gigantic motherships and dozens of smaller ships blasting lasers and other weapons at one another. In one scene, the smaller ships are in form of lobsters, with moving claws that they smash into skyscrapers, breaking windows, and some crash out of the shop with loud noises and flames, while others return to a larger ship which warps out of the area. One sequence shows many buildings in a large city ignite into flames, burn with smoke, crumble when the towers explode loudly, and rebuild themselves immediately. That's one paragraph. The very next paragraph is, two men have a fist fight outside a house. <laughs> and gentle viewers, guess which one we actually enjoyed? Neither. <laughs> I liked the fist fight. It no, was... it was fine, actually. Because um... that marks the point in which um, Sean Bean, old Beanie, yeah. and uh, Ned Stark himself enters the film. And saves it, kind and of. And goes a good way to making us actually care about him as a character, yeah. which is a new experience for he's, us as an audience in this the captain film. that wanders onto a battlefield, sees a wounded soldier, and picks up his uh, missing leg and takes that away instead. <laughs> almost works. It almost works as a heroic deed. <laughs> um, he's enjoyable, and he's the perfect... With his northern tones... He is the perfect man to guide us through the high fantasy of this world. Mm -hmm. You've been taught that the birthplace of the human race is Earth, but it's not. Do you know what this will do to people when they find out the truth? I don't think that most people would want to know the truth. I do. Let's talk about main characters, protagonists, because mm. there's a theory that the best protagonists are uninteresting. They're dull, um, blank-faced Keanu Reeves types. Mm. Uh, that way you can put yourself into that situation. The Bella theory from... Yes, it is the Bella Twilight. theory. And I feel like that's what we get, get here with Mila Kunis. Now, the problem is, kids never want to be that character. You know, mm. you, you, you're on the playground and playing and stuff. Nobody wants to be fucking Luke Skywalker. No one. You want to be Han Solo. You want to be Chewie. Yeah. You know, you want to be characters who are actually interesting. Um, so Mila Kunis is dull. Yeah. Is that on purpose? I, I guess. I mean, yeah, it feels like it because it's it's just the it's just one side of the like the agency coin, isn't it? Yeah. Mila Kunis's character just spends the whole film either making terrible decisions, making no decisions, you know, yeah. or being saved by Channing Tatum. Being saved by her own terrible decisions. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, we should say this film has actually got a small positive feminist following. Yeah. Of people who say that this movie subverts tropes um, and has a strong lead female character. I have to say, not that we're the best people to talk about feminism yeah. by any means, but I didn't get that. No, and I'm really, if anybody disagrees with us, please get in touch. And, and We'd love to discuss this further yeah. on this, but I... I mean, she spends the whole film being helplessly rushed from one situation to another, making very few decisions of her own. Mm -hmm. And then the first time she does make a decision, I noted it, it was an hour and eight minutes into the film, <laughs> and it was the decision to marry someone in order to save the Earth, and it transpired that, in fact, he was tricking her mm. um, into marrying him. And so Channing Statham had to quickly rush to save her from the mm. wedding. And a, a male character running to stop a wedding, I mean, how ridiculously outdated misogynist can you get that's, yeah. that's a 90s rom-com i think one of the issues is she didn't have any there, there, there was no like arc for her mm. and there was no there was no room for improvement for her yeah um 
when when we were watching this, you made the you made a few comparisons between this and uh, Force Awakens. Sure, uh, Daisy Ridley's character in that, yeah, uh, Ray. And the problem with this film is she finds out that she's royalty, but that doesn't give her anything. Mm. All it does. It's it's like it's like fucking Family Guy again. It's you know when the episode where Meg they all get special mutant powers. Yes, and, and Meg gets the ability to grow her nails. Yes, um, it's just that again. <laughs> all she gets is the ability to control bees. If, yeah, in which, a space opera, <laughs> in which there are very few, if any, bees. <laughs> to be honest, there's an inexplicable amount of bees already. <laughs> so we discover she's a princess. Mm. Because they go to Sean Bean's house, and Sean Bean has surrounded himself with bees yeah. for this occasion. Yes, or they do. They do go sort of crazy when her um, would-be kidnappers. That's true. Come so along. bees can also sense um, villains, peasants, peasants. But I thought they only came and warned Mila Kunis. Okay, so Mila Kunis is royalty. Yeah, bees are genetically engineered to recognize royalty. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Sean Bean asks her, "You've never been stunned by a bee, have you?" And that is f- evidence that she is, in fact, a queen. Because the queen, Princess Michael of Kent, Princess Margaret, mm-hmm. any royalty that you can think of, none of them have ever been stung by bees. Except for the Duke of Edinburgh, but that's because he's racist and yeah. bees bees are really right on. They are, actually. Yeah. Hipster bees. You see them um, with their berets. See, I've never been stung by a bee either. And I just, I mean, we Your watched the highness. film 12 hours ago. I just fucking, I leapt it, leapt up, and uh, I just ran in the fields. <laughs> I was so happy. I had no idea that I was royalty. <laughs> Bees don't sting royals. <laughs> Stupid. And you, you sc- were screaming that at the gates of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> just, this is all mine! <laughs> I've never been stung by a bee. And, um... Annoyingly, you got uh, swarmed by bees as you um, as you got through the gate. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I guess some people do just get lucky. Yeah, and aren't royalty? Damn. But uh, oh, that's a stupid premise. But that was like as as a as a power. Mm. There is something quite wonderful about the ability to control bees. I, yeah. I, I like the idea of that. It's like, wow, I can control bees. Well, I can but- recommend Dario Gento's 80s masterpiece Phenomenon, in which Jennifer Connelly learns that she has uh, dominion over all insects. Okay, well, I'm yet to be sold on Dario Argento, so maybe that'll be the that'll one. That'll be the one. That'll be the one for me. It has a soundtrack by um, ACDC and um, Motorhead. Hmm. Hello there. <laughs> Hello there. Wonderful. You um, were saying. <laughs> yes. Um, if you're going to introduce a power to control bees, use it. You know, <laughs> just use it. Um, that was the, what, 40 minutes into the film? Yeah, about that, about um, the Sean Bean point. We do not hear of this again. No, never mentioned. A single time. She She's... does not encounter another bee. Yeah. There are no space bees. No, there There's... are no space bees. There's a space yeah. alligator. There's a space yeah. elephant. Yes. There was no space bees. There could have been, a, like, a space bee man. Yeah. Who she has complete control over. Yeah, which would have been wonderful. Or just but just any anything. Basically, what we were missing was... Her introduction to this this universe, yes. this universe, as they kept reminding us, this whole universe <laughs> that she now had uh, had dominion over. Yeah, but all that we had was her in one room uh, talking to somebody about about her mother. Yeah, her in another room talking to mm. somebody about getting married. Her in another room talking to somebody uh, about abdicating yeah and it was just from room to room to room there was no here's your new world 
the water is amazing here or <laughs> oh gosh the air is so fresh well of course because because this is where humans come from and ooh and my brain works better or anything yeah. or even as queen now we can unlock your special powers your ability to <laughs> whatever this explains why i was i was always so good at school and always like quicker than everyone else around me but no have you ever noticed you've never been stunned by a bee yeah (laughs) okay now it's time to get married do i get any choice no (laughs) it's this or all humanity will die okay i'll marry you (laughs) haha humanity's gonna die anyway (laughs) fucking idiot well done mila kanish you're royalty now still a woman oh no Oh, that's a shame. Oh, be a man next time. <laughs> At least you can sell your eggs. Yeah, <laughs> convince someone else to. <laughs> but me, I, I, I would, I would like to briefly draw comparisons to the Hunger Games, just, okay. just briefly. In which, um, whatever you think of the series, um, Katniss Everdeen is living up to her responsibilities that she has found herself having. She is put into a situation where nobody wants to help her. Her sponsor doesn't give a shit. The person who's like, you know, meant to bringing her from the capital, um, bringing her into the capital, uh, thinks that it is, or at least is showing that it is honorable to die mm-hmm. in this game and doesn't really expect her to do anything. She's kind of put up a, I'm talking about, um, F- Effie? I'm talking about Effie. Um, she's put up mm-hmm. a wall around herself in which she doesn't see it as a tragic thing that she has to keep bringing these kids when they always die. Nobody's up for her, uh, supporting her. Mm-hmm. She's stuck in this competition with a boy who she doesn't like because he once yeah. humiliated her when she was needy. She's in a horrible situation, and she uses her willpower to cajole her coach into giving a shit and training her. Yeah. She's able to win people over through her personality and her will to stay alive for her sister, who is something she cares about, mm-hmm. and that we know she cares about. And she turns the situation around and puts herself in an, in an av- advantageous position as she goes into this hideous competition that has been built up throughout the film. And you're excited about her. You're like, yes, let's see how she fucking does this. You know, she's mm. like, it's like watching the main character of 1984 actually try and take on the system. You know, it's exhilarating. Yeah. I, I, I really wanted it to be this this strong feminist film. Sure. I, I really wanted it to be this strong female character. Yeah. Um, Not that it needed to be, but it was no. just because we were told it was. Yeah. We were like, oh, okay, but how? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure how. Um, yeah, there are far better, far better films for that. When we got to the the final act, mm. which we really crossed our fingers for, once we realised <laughs> it was happening, and thought, okay, well, come on, film, end, do. <laughs> Do us a solid. Yeah. Prove us wrong. Um, all she did in the final third, again, was... Fall. Yeah, she was just running away from explosions until Channing Tatum could come and rescue her. Yeah, that was her mission, was to stay alive long enough to be rescued by Channing Tatum. Yeah, and it was just... It was just very underwhelming. Yeah. And I just, again, just, just couldn't care coming yeah. out. Yeah, I had good feelings early on. Because early on, I seem to remember liking her. She has a lot of costume changes in this. I don't know if that's why it called. It felt like a movie that was made by fifty-year-old men for girls. Mm. It's like what a what a what a girls like. They like dresses, yeah. like weddings. We'll put her in lots of dresses. Yeah. She gets changed into most of them while she's unconscious. By the way, by male <laughs> characters. Yeah, which she does draw attention to. Yes, she does. Which, that was a nice moment. Yeah, which 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 is interesting. Why they why that happened in the first place? Then <laughs> it suggested it was set up as a joke. Yeah. Um, but the joke is she keeps getting knocked out and having her clothing changed. <laughs> oh, way. Lucky lads. Hey, hey. <laughs> but you like to be doing that. Uh. So I just want to go back to this whole, this whole 
world building thing, you know, creating mm. a, a world for a sci-fi fantasy yeah. film. It's, it's not easy. Uh, I guess the key is to to find a good way of doing that. Yeah. You know, um, of doing it without doing it, I suppose. Doing it without having Sean Bean sit down with the main character and tell her what the plot is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, this film, this film didn't do that. The way that good sci-fi does it, um, it's just, it's little things. It's not yeah. over-egging it, mm. is the phrase, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, over-egging the sci-fi say. pudding. Exactly. Don't put too many eggs in the sci-fi pudding, <laughs> because I'm allergic. Or it'll spoil the broth. Yeah. And it'll go like hotcakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is worth two in the bush. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, woe betide you over-egg the sci-fi pudding. You want little details. So, for example... Her, which is set uh, in the not-too-distant uh, future. Yep. Um, it's set in America, filmed in Shanghai, everyone has high waists, and mustaches are cool. Yeah. That's that's the future. Yeah. It's perfect. And phones are little things in your ear with a little visual representation, which is like a flip matchbook. Um, yeah. And that's that's all you need to know. Yeah. But that is a story told in a sci-fi world. It's not the story of that sci-fi world, which is what mm. this was. The trick would have been is to tell a story we care about inside of this world instead of just telling us the story of this world. It's like whatever whatever story you ha- you have, it's a it's a crazy place. Um, but there was so little about the world that I was invested in, mm. and it's just so much of it that, that looked kind of goofy as well. Mm. Um, I felt like uh, well, we, we were saying how uh, whoever they got to to style the Matrix, yeah, it was on holiday for this film, <laughs> or, or they had him, but they had fifteen other people. Like someone who did the styling for Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Somebody yeah. For whoever did Crocodile Dundee. It'll be so eclectic. I mean, yeah. for example, um, everybody knows the name... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Everybody knows the name H.R. Giger because yeah. he worked on all of the alien designs for the movie Alien. A name that fewer people know, Ron Cobb and Chris Foss. Because those two men designed all the human stuff. They designed all of the human ships, the spacesuits, the gadgets, all the human things, and then Giga did all the alien things, and the result is two clashing visual styles, which really is works excellently for that mm. film. So you're suggesting maybe they got 50 guys, <laughs> yeah. each to represent a different thing, and it's like, oh no, each culture will look completely distinct because of yeah. how we have different visual effects people. And it just forms a visual fucking headache. It's the visual yeah. equivalent of an ice cream headache. They had these individuals in separate rooms, uh, guards who didn't speak to them. Eventually somebody would come in and be like, oh, write down a write down a style. What? Just write down a style and put it in this hat, and then he'd produce a top hat upturned, <laughs> and they'd just scribble something down, like, oh... <laughs> cowboys and, and put it in the top hat <laughs> and they'd be like thank you you can go you checked in the post and it just it just created this 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 crazy mesh mm. of different styles which is interesting and i and i and i, and I sort of I was, I was curious as to why they did that but it was missing missing the the like this solid this through line that the world needed and it, and it led to just things like every now and again a character would turn up and just and just be like hey have you seen my new chin diamond <laughs> have you Check check out my my ear guards and, and it was check like, out my frosted tips. Yeah, yeah, and then someone would have frosted tips, or <clears throat> you know, half expect someone to be wearing knee pads, yeah, and a, a backwards baseball cap. But they, but it was it was just kind of it was all over the place. Yeah. Um. Shall we quick fire? Good things. Let's quick fire. Okay. During the scene in which Mila Kunis is inside of a ship, 
It has been cut in half, so the cockpit is exposed, and Channing Tatum flies over with his ridiculous shoes and rescues her from the cockpit as it's falling to the ground, and it looked good. Hmm. Like, the cockpit was clearly a real physical element, which had then been imposed into an actual element of a spinning Chicago skyline using actors who are on wires, and it looked good. Yes, that was that was a good part. We um, had to stop laughing to uh, <laughs> to enjoy that bit. Yeah, there was. Uh, I think Sean Bean was a good thing about it. Yep. He uh, also his punchline, beeswax, which uh, which he said just <laughs> just before shit went down. His um, curse word. Yeah. Oh, beeswax. Oh, beeswax. He said that just before he got his head cut off in Game of Thrones. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> no, sorry, everyone. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I, th- I think the film missed out on a couple. Uh, couple of other punchline opportunities uh, mm-hmm. golden ones um she was being strangled by eddie redmayne um which i can't believe we haven't spoken about yet but we're getting to it holy shit we haven't talked about yes okay yeah um she's being strangled by eddie, eddie redmayne and uh somebody and one of his advisors says sir is this ne- is this wise before the abdication and she knees him in the groin and she didn't say abdicate this <laughs> And I was waiting for it. Katniss Everdeen would have said it. <laughs> and Ray. Yeah. They'd have done it together. God oh, team up movie. This film sucks. So, yeah, that was yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Sean Bean in general, I really enjoyed in this movie. Um, I like the reason they're fighting. The resource they're fighting over is immortality. Is this stuff that you have to take in order to live forever. And it just so happens that it gets harvested from humans. That's a cool premise. It would yeah. be nice had it paid off by, like, I don't know, the characters realising... Oh, actually, life only has meaning when it's short, or something like that. Just yeah, I thought, oh, existentialism, <laughs> amazing. I hope they explore this, or at least have one of yeah. them age super fast, and then and then crumble um, into ash. Yeah, but, Eddie Redmayne could have been like aging all the time, and it's like we need more powder. Yeah, you know, and it's like we've got to start the harvest immediately. But no, he's fine. He's got loads of it. He just wants yeah, more. No, he's so using he can it. Yeah, sell it. Um, but the idea of people as a resource is something obviously they used in the Matrix, and in the Matrix it's ridiculous because it requires so much more energy to put mm. people into a fucking artificial dream world and keep mm. them in suspended animation for their entire lives than any amount you would get from their body yeah. heat. That's insane. Yeah. You could have just had all the all of the humans in the world pushing a big wheel <laughs> and you would have gotten more ele- electricity yeah. out of them. But, but the idea of just grinding them down into dust and snorting them in order to live forever is quite good. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. But The Matrix looks better and yeah. is more horrifying just because it's a more interesting film. We see some humans get harvested in this film. They're in a tube and they get drills into their heads and mm. tubes are forced in. Uh, which is described on the parents' advisory board on IMDb <laughs> as moderately horrifying. <laughs> yeah. um, and it is. It's only moderately horrifying because it's so clean. Mm. When you see a baby... In the Matrix, with tubes stuck in it, and it's crying, but it's in this machine, and the waters flood over yeah. it. That's horrible. Mm. And it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. And I'd watch it again. I'd, it's my screensaver on my phone. <laughs> um, I've run out of good things. Do you have any um, more? I've got, I've got a couple more. Okay. Um, when, Jesus, when the when the Queen Kalika Braxis, um, Eddie fun. Redmayne's sister, yep. um, says that their mother was murdered... Um, Mila Kunis says, "Oh, I'm sorry," and it's a really human moment. Aww. And I th- and I went, "Oh, <laughs> um, that's nice." Yeah. There's a look of amusement on Channing Tatum's um, splice face when <laughs> Mila Kunis makes a joke about her bowels, and that was quite nice. That was a that was another hu- moment of uh, human interaction. Yeah. See, such is the 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 the, the caliber of this film that I'm listing moments of human interaction. Moments where you, they were recognizably people because I wrote them down. <laughs> Um, there are three of them. <laughs> Another thing is, uh, 
I, I like the effort that they went with uh, went to with uh, having Channing Tatum go about with his shirt off for a lot of the film. Oh my god! Um, I imagine that was because um, anybody who was buying into the relationship between the two of them had to be reassured that there was going to be no weird dog parts on his body. Oh yeah. So when they point. were in bed, fi- finally there wouldn't be somebody <laughs> awake at night being like, "What about the nipples?" His penis just latches inside of her. Just <laughs> yeah. They get I have more in common with a dog than uh, than you, Majesty. I have a bar of penis. <laughs> She, my wee wee has a little spike on it. <laughs> the the love scene just involves her howling, just ah. But, <laughs> God, this is so gross. And I mean, that's what the film could have been, <laughs> but it chickened out. How many uh, how many of our heroes have we discussed the logistics of their love making for? Because they're making Lois Lane Superman. Oh God, we we suck. We are. We're awful. Oh. And we even joked about how much cooler this film would have been had Gina Carino played. Channing Tatum, which to be fair, she'd yeah. have been a lot more charismatic. Yeah, I, I really wanted Gina Carina to play Channing Tatum's <laughs> role because I think it would have. There's a shot where Channing Tatum comes out of the a building holding Mila Kunis in his big strong arms, mm. and I wondered would it would it be more or less of a feminist image to have Had it been Gina, Gina Carina's Carina big strong out? arms? Yeah, is a lesbian romance more or less feminist? <laughs> and I'm quite interested in that now. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I, I cannot tell. Definitely more of a feminist image if Gina Carino came out of the door holding me in a big strong arms. <laughs> Gina, could you stop messing around with Fast and Furious movies and just become the fucking female Harrison Ford that we all want you to be? Yeah. Everybody watch Haywire. Yeah. Instead of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, watch Haywire. Haywire's great. I, I was love thinking, that. Because I think about like the male archetypes of action hero. Think of Bond, Indiana Jones, they're all the same guy, really. They're self-assured, cool, mm. uh, well-spoken sassy funny and good with um the opposite sex yeah and in, in um hate wire um gina carino does all those things and even seduces channing tatum thinking about it ah. and has sex with him um and then it's not even a big deal for her yeah um, that's just a thing she did because she because it's fucking channing tatum and who wouldn't i would yeah given the chance are there any other good things about this that was a good thing about this that we just discussed <laughs> is gina carino <laughs> Uh, carrying Paul out of a burning building. That was a good thing about Jupiter Ascending right there. <laughs> I th- um, I think there's only one more good thing to talk about, Paul. I think there is, Goodman, and we've been mentioning it every now and then in this. Um, but now I think it's time we really fully immersed ourselves in Redmayne. In ton- literally tons of Redmayne. He was glorious. Yeah. Double our security deployment to destroy any ship that comes near the planet. There are there are no there are no words. Ham Hamming doesn't cover it. No. Um. I, th- I think one review said it was it was melodramatic. I mean, melodramatic is a crap word to describe what Eddie Redmayne was doing. There are three occasions on which he screams. My mother taught me what was necessary to rule in this universe. By killing people. I create life. Yes. Um, the rest of the time, it's a menacing, if fate, performance uh, in which he plays this incredibly... It, it's hedonism bot, essentially, mm. from Futurama. That is the performance. Um, and it is uh, baffling mm. and beautiful and extraordinary. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm so torn over Eddie Redmayne. Mm. I, I never know where I am with him. Sometimes I think he's an excellent actor and yeah. he deserves an Oscar, save for the Danish girl, I think. I found him very elusive in the Danish girl. Really? Like, he was beguiling. Yeah. But I couldn't quite 
get to him. Yeah, well, this, this, that's this, what Alicia Vikander was there for. She yeah. was the human. Well, this, 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 this is it. It was a stunning performance. Yeah. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's, it's fantastic beasts and where to find them. Oh, God. Um, through all of this, mm. he's the same foppish character with, with like a curly, a curly fringe, mm. um, who can't meet anyone's gaze. Yes. So every single film that he's in, he's sort of, he shuffles up to people and he, he just looks just off center. He's not quite looking at anyone. It's very, unsatisfying and he has that like very charming th fronting and it's all very very, like i'm rather rather pleased to meet you is it hugh grant is he hugh grant now is that it no because hugh grant was always quite assertive in in the kind of yeah i know he was like bumbling a bit but he was a lot more forthright about it i'm not quite sure how to make that distinction but yeah. Eddie, Eddie Redmayne was Eddie Redmayne's characters are always really reclusive and insular right and I mean Fantastic Beasts he really pushes it with that he's he's so like drawn yeah in tightly I just want someone to just touch his face and, and just bring him back to this world but yeah. in, in this film he's fucking looking at people he's striding <laughs> over to people and strangling them and he's giving the camera he's 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 gurning for the camera like nobody's business um the, the, in a great time oh yeah half, most of his lines delivered mm. at, a, at a level and volume lower than the music lower than a whisper yeah to the point where it like dips in and out on the vowel sounds so you can't quite hear what he's saying Mm. and then he'll and then he'll just just scream something which i don't know if that was the intention yeah or if they said okay we want you to get emotional here and then he did it and and they went oh can you do that again (laughs) he went no i think i think that's rather good (laughs) well all right then you're the oscar winning actor of course, the problem with all of that is Eddie Redmayne wasn't used all that much. He wasn't no. in the film enough. He had about 10 minutes screen time. Yeah, I think you could probably get a good um, compilation video on YouTube of mm. all of Eddie Redmayne's moments. And There is, there is one, in fact. I there is, checked, yeah. sure. Um, and I'm, I don't think it would suffer from being out of context, to be honest. No. Um, so, unfor- unfortunately, that can't be the one good thing, I think, because... Mm. Um, because it's not there enough. No. I, I, I would say that Every so often when the whole thing just sort of comes together, um, and just Sean Bean, bees, mm-hmm. um, Mila Kunis falling through space, mm-hmm. Eddie Redmayne with his big purple face, Channing Tatum as a dog warrior with rocket boots, and the inexplicable fashion of the villains, the, mm-hmm. the sheer diversity of the villains of lizard men in coats and fucking mm-hmm. little green men who run face first everywhere they go, um, all of it just came together to form one blissful montage, this mosaic of nonsense. Mm. Yeah, but the thing is, we can't have, for one thing, we can't have every film just being the <laughs> unintentional comedy, because we could get away with most films uh, from True. this list. I will say that this is my least favourite of wow. all the films we've seen so far. Um, what a feat. Uh, yeah, and I feel like my, my brain has responded in kind put a wall down in front of my thoughts Goodman wasn't sick before we started this he just <laughs> gradually deteriorated like fucking Eddie Redmayne off of his meds yeah I was pu- puking out of all holes except my mouth it was uh, <laughs> it's really weird um, so and I, yeah I don't think it's I don't think it's legit to to like save this film based on its unintentional <laughs> comedy based because on it, the fact that it's yeah, nonsense because it's not it's not the good work of any of anybody um, no, Christopher true. Walken earned it because Christopher Walken is a Christopher Walken, 
Christopher Nolkin. <laughs> Christopher Walken knew what he was doing. Yeah. He knew what he was doing and he um Yeah. Yeah, he came in and he saved that fucking movie yeah. like a pro. And we laughed a lot at this film, definitely. Yes. I really did laugh. I but it was not done knowingly. Okay. So what Mr. Goodman was the one good thing about Jupiter Ascending. What's the reason that you're happy we sat through this? It's the it's those few human moments of interaction. It was um, Mila Kunis's bowels. Mila Kunis's bowels. Channing Tatum's small faces. The <laughs> smile playing across his lips on a summer's day. <laughs> Gambling across his face. <laughs> yes. The 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 occasional charming uh, my big fat Greek wedding style moment between her and her family her ridiculous family yeah. oh that's it that is what that is isn't it yeah oh dear the 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 moments between Sean Bean Channing Tatum Mila yeah. Kunis it was uh, human moments Paul yeah human moments human moments <laughs> the moments that slipped by the Wachowski siblings yeah when they weren't paying attention <laughs> all right well thank you for listening to one good thing. So as ever, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at OGT Pod for updates uh, and a sample every week for anyone to share with their friends. We keep the best jokes for the podcast. We also have an email address, uh, OGTPod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch and find uh, Twitter's character limit outrageous. Um, yeah, if you send us an email, I'll be able to read it without vomiting, um, even if it's really nasty. <laughs> Finally, thanks everyone who left reviews, ratings in the last oh, wow. uh, in the last week. Yeah, um, it's been great. We finally got an average rating up on iTunes. You say an average rating, an average rating of excellent on <laughs> iTunes. So thank you everyone who gave us five stars, which yeah. is everyone who rated us. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so far. Uh, it's It's <laughs> been really good. And once again, the most helpful thing you can do is write a short review or mm. leave a rating or or subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, it's really, really helpful. Thanks so much for everyone who has gotten in touch, mm. given us ideas for new episodes. Uh, thanks, Nell, for uh, recommending this one so early on. Thanks, Nell. Yep, if you'd like to... If you'd like to find out more about my work, please check out Nerds Get Bored at WordPress. If you want to check out my stuff, I'm Life Worth Living, liewally.wordpress.com. Excellent. We finally have a workable <laughs> workable pronunciation of that acronym. For me. For you. Yes. No Wonderful. One else. Thanks. That'll be the new Mabimbam. <laughs> okay, everyone. Um, I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, the one good thing about Jupiter Ascending is Sean Bean and Channing Tatum having a fist fight in a house full of bees. <laughs>